You're listening to Boss Tone Radio. Presented by BossUS.com. Welcome to the 17th edition of Boston Radio. This is the first segment. My name is Paul Hansen. I'm your host. Today on the line, we have Jeff Skunk Baxter. Jeff was the guitar player for Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers, but he's also played with Brian Adams, Cheryl Crow, Dolly Parton, Ringo Starr, Rod Stewart, Barbara Streisand, Elton, Don, Elton John, and just about everybody else in the music industry. In addition to all that, he's also, according to MSNBC, one of our government's top counterterrorism experts. But we're going to focus on Jeff's guitar playing. So here's Jeff playing on Steely Dan's huge, massive hit, Ricky Don't Lose That Number. So, Jeff, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, in the world of guitar, what's going on these days for you? Well, I'm just uh, getting close to finishing up my first solo project. Never done one before. Worked really? With, uh, an incredible keyboard player named uh, C.J. Vanston. Mm-hmm. So that's going very well, actually. And um, just getting ready to go out and do some playing. Mm-hmm. So I've been working for, for Uncle Sam for the government for quite a while, especially since 9-11. So it's kind of time to get out and play cool are are you singing am i singing yeah no if i can help it (laughs) i read somewhere your first session in the studio was with the world's most recorded guitarist tommy tedesco is that true uh actually no i'd been in the studio years before that Mm -hmm. but my first la session tommy was on the session absolutely tommy and i had become very close friends over the years and and, of course, I miss him terribly. So, Jeff, how, how old were you when you started playing? Let's see. When I first started doing sessions was probably when I was about 14. Do you feel like you were given a lot of natural talent, or was it hard work and practice that worked for you? I, I suppose it's a combination. I mean, certainly, I'm a believer that you're hardwired for certain things. Uh-huh. And I think I was very lucky to be hardwired for uh, music. But when I was a kid, I probably spent, you know, six to eight hours a day shedding in my room, you know, just uh-huh. learning to play the guitar. When I have seen you play, the thing that really strikes me is your your sense of time and your solidity, you know, just the the locking in. Is, is that rhythm a thing that came naturally for you? I think there's something, 
I think there's something to the idea that there are people who naturally are comfortable with, with rhythm for whatever it would be. But um, I also always practice with a metronome. Really? Absolutely. Do you use a Boss metronome? I do now. I have one with me <laughs> almost all the time. Is it one of the Dr. Beat metronomes? It's a smaller one. Probably DB30? I think so. Yeah, that's the one you can fit in your pocket. Yep, yeah. it's an excellent piece of gear. And uh, when I talk to anyone who's interested in you know, learning to be a player on any level, and especially if you're at all interested in being in the studio, it's tremendously important that you practice either with a metronome or a drum machine. Do you ever practice with a drum machine? Well, some people don't like mm -hmm. to practice with a metronome. Right. Oh, so I can understand that because, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of make me kind of boring. So a drum machine is a good substitute. It, basically, anything that keeps time. Right. Because I, I, you know, I worked in so many music <laughs> stores when I was a kid, and it was always fascinating how you know, young guitar players would come in and, and they would sit down and play whatever song it is that they knew. Yeah. And it seemed as though that their number one priority was to play it as fast as they could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is really not, <laughs> would, uh, really not much of, you know, it's not that impressive. I know they, th they thought it was. <laughs> playing quickly and playing yeah. fast without a groove is a waste of time. It really is. The thing that I noticed, you know, as a guitar teacher, one of the most important things for musicians to learn, they usually save it for last, and, and that thing is playing in rhythm. Well, the groove is everything. Totally. I was doing a gig with B.B. King once, and mm -hmm. uh, he turned to me and he said, Skunk, you know, I got to tell you, you're the, you're the best rhythm guitar player in the world. Oh, my God. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to, yeah. uh, you know, inflate my own ego, but I'm saying it because it's so important. You can learn to play, you know, fairly decent lead, I would say, uh -huh. but man, being able to play rhythm is huge, really important. Totally, words of wisdom. Hey, let's uh, talk about Steely Dan just for a little bit. Um, I read somewhere that you said Steely Dan sessions went so slow that they were at a glacial pace? We used to have a, a joke that it took us three weeks just to find a comfortable chair. <laughs> the idea that uh, taking your time was certainly, uh, certainly important. Mm -hmm. Well, and those albums sound incredible. To this day, they stand up against the most high-tech recorded stuff. Roger Nichols was the engineer? Yes. Was he a perfectionist, or were all the guys very precise? Well, certainly there were standards, and standards were total clarity, make recording as cleanly and as faithful to the original as possible, trying to capture uh, as faithfully uh, you could the actual sound of the instrument. And uh, the recordings were meticulous, mm -hmm. and which I think is, uh, you know, there's a place for everything. Right. And to me, if you're going to craft something, and, and the Steely Dan albums were nothing if not crafted, then meticulousness and attention to detail is uh, important. Well, here I've got another excerpt. This is uh, you playing on My Old School. Let's check this out, okay? All right.
always really liked that guitar solo. Lots of uh, harmonics and stuff, but absolutely, totally in rhythm. Well, yeah, I, would, I hope so. About <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. There were other guys in the band, Elliot Randall and Denny Diaz. Well, Denny was actually a member of the band. Uh, Elliot had come in to play a couple of tunes. Uh-huh. So I had uh, a couple of other folks. So Denny and myself were pretty much the uh, core rockers and uh, uh, guitarists. What a great guitar player. I mean, Denny was just great. Did he play the Reelin' in the Year solo? Oh, uh, that was Elliot. Well, I, actually, you know, we split it up, but he, he played on that record. I saw a live performance of you doing that, so the Reeling in the Years solo. Yeah, Elliot had, had come in to uh, play a couple of tunes in the studio. Uh, I actually never performed with the band. You would do that solo live? Somebody had to. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about the Doobie Brothers. I think the first time I saw the band, you guys were on one of those Friday night shows, like Don Kirshner's or in concert, and I guess this would have been maybe late 70s or something, and you had a beret on, and you're sitting on a stool, and I thought, whoa, who is this guy? And you were totally shredding, and do you recall the Don Kirshner's or in concert, those Friday night shows, taping those? I do, uh, and that was also the Midnight Special. I was Midnight Special. the house band, Midnight Special, for a while. So I remember that. I, um, I recall all of that stuff. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, Wolfman Jack, was he a wild and crazy guy? Uh, Wolfman Jack was a wonderful guy. Uh-huh. He became very good friends uh, and absolutely special. One of my favorite people ever. And I really miss him. I mean, he was certainly had his radio persona, but he also had a wonderful, wonderful personality. He was a really, well, he still is. I mean, wherever he is, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's... Uh, probably doing a lot of radio programming up in heaven mm-hmm. right now. He's a very, very special guy. For guys who don't remember that or weren't around during that time, the Midnight Special was this super cool show that you would look forward to all week, and it was on late night on Friday night, and the artists that were on the show would actually play. They weren't videos where you're just pretending to play. Oh, no, that was the whole idea. That was of the things that I absolutely enjoyed about uh, the Midnight Special was that it was meant to be, and the premise was, playing live. I just think watching a, a real musician play is so much better than watching him pretend to play and listening to his studio performance. Hey, Jeff, uh, you used to wear headphones sometimes live. Always. It was uh, interesting that um, sometimes... The guys would put things through the headphones that weren't music. <laughs> but that was part of the deal. Uh, and for me, the whole idea was to be able to actually keep my hearing. Uh-huh, Most yeah. people now, now of course, it's a uh, huge, big deal for people to wear in-ear monitors. monitors. I, of course, there wasn't anything quite like that at my time, so I just wore a set of headphones. Because I was always very comfortable in the studio, so to me... Whether you're in front of 50,000 people or you're in the studio, just get a good mix, sit down, get comfortable, and, mm-hmm. and play the guitar and uh, leave, the, um, mm-hmm. leave the histrionics to someone else. This concludes segment one of the 17th edition of Boston Radio. Stay tuned for segment two. Jeff Baxter is going to tell us a little bit more about 
his legendary bands he played with, including the Doobie Brothers and a lot of other cool stuff. So stay tuned to Boss Tone Radio. Yeah. 